Welcome to the Deer Society Podcast. Here's your host, Brian Lemke. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Deer Society Podcast. I'm Brian Lemke and joined today by Mr. Mike Ducart and Brian Clary is a special guest today. We are here in the pre-rut. Uh, rut is coming. Uh, starting to see some, some rutting activity. It's that time of year. Um, slowly but surely, it's, it's kicking in. So we're in that last part of October right now as we shoot this. And uh, things are getting super excited today. We're going to be talking about uh, some hunt updates, what's been going on here at the Deer Society, what, what people have been seeing, uh, what we've been shooting, some cool stuff uh, to announce, and uh, then kind of just some hunt strategies and what we expect to see here in the coming weeks. So let's kick it off. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. What have you been up to? You been hunting, seeing anything? Hey, things are uh, coming around for me. Um... I, uh, thanks to Brian and JJ, they set up, uh, uh, what we call the bat blind for me. Um, knowing that I was injured as soon as I got hurt, they're like, well, we're going to get him out there. So, um, we have a, a, an old building, um, at one of the sites that happened to be in a good position for, a, a ground blind. So they went in there and cleaned it up and built the deck and put in windows and just did all this stuff, trimmed up the, uh, um, some of the uh, uh, Egyptian weed around there that we use for, you know, cover for rooms so that they have their privacy. And I've been seeing, I mean, I, I've been in there three times and I've seen, I'm going to do just a quick count of my head. It's not exact, but it's at least a dozen bucks and I don't even know, three dozen does. So what I'm seeing is traffic and population on the whitetails from scratch land is significant this year and it's really really exciting to me um you're not really seeing a whole lot of uh the big bucks are showing we're, we're pretty much nocturnal yet um they are starting to show up i'm in particular after one bully buck um we're calling him seven up i think we talked about that last time and <laughs> He's showing up a lot. He's showing up in daylight, but he's just bopping all over the place. And of course, then I only have the one spot that I could hunt. But update, beep, 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 beep. Update is I climbed a stand and self-filmed last night for the first time with the clearance from my uh, PT people and a uh, deep tissue massage that was significant. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it's feeling great. And so I'm, I'm going full bore now. Awesome. Right on. So you guys are actually headed out tonight, right? Headed to the bat blind tonight? Yeah, we're going to go to the bat blind tonight because, uh, excuse me, it's also a camera thing and a time thing. Um, You know, now that we got Chris going, JJ leaves this time of year every year to go hunt his piece in Wisconsin. And, um, you know, we got him out there with equipment and then we got my set of equipment. Brian's got a set of equipment and um, Chris has kind of hung out with all the old gear. So we took, we took one of the cameras, we sent it to one of the pro staff or he bought it. And uh, so we're just one piece short, really. Um, so we're going to sit in the bat blind and uh, Brian's going to film me with his equipment. And because he's tagged out, he doesn't need it anymore. That's right. So, so Brian, I want to get to you and I want to hear this story right after this. Mike, I just want to touch on something there. So 
uh, let's take that bat blind spot, for example. You're seeing a lot of deer there. You're seeing a lot of traffic. Um, what has that traffic been like? So you've seen some bucks. You've seen some does. Have you seen any chasing or interaction uh, between bucks and does yet? If so, what has that been like? And why are those deer, what kind of spot is this? Why are those deer transitioning through there? Yeah, it's a um, perfect it's a it's a food situation and a social situation down there um the scrapes and uh um you know the, the licking branches have been in the same spot ever since we you know set it up for that um we set set those up for it to have a scrape in a specific spot and actually there's two two stands in this area but one one is the, the bat blind um and the food is perfect for this time of the year it's grazing food um, they're pretty much done with the, uh, rye part of it. And now they're hitting into the leafy things, you know, your turnips and your rape and things like that. And I got some great footage, you know, they have those monster leaves hanging from their mouth, you know, and they're just chewing on them. And, and I, you know, I'm learning as I go. And you know, this is the way I, I started the entire business with studying animals. So this particular spot is just fantastic for me to look at behavior, to just look at things that you pick up on. You know, and I'm sitting there reading the deer and their behavior. Um, some of the does, um, the big does, you know, they're still with their fawns. And the bigger does are probably going to be the first ones to be bred. But they don't even tolerate the little guys trying to chase them, you know. And I think the little guys know not to chase the bigger, older does. They're kind of pushing around the younger does and even some of the fawns. And when I say little guys, you know, Forky, six points, some some baskets, you know, things like that. Year and a half to two and a half year old deer. Um, when the three and a half year olds and four and a half year olds start to show up, they don't really chase them around quite as much as the little guys. Because the little guys are, I don't, I don't understand, but I suppose it's like a teenager, you know. If you think of a junior high kid out there running around, you know, teasing the girls and stuff like that, it's more of a behavior like that. As they get a little older in high school. They get a little more mature, a little more understanding, and they, they actually try and impress and compete, I think. Um, and then, of course, then you have the star quarterback. When he shows up, you know, you're not going to get the head cheerleader. It's just the way it is. So that's starting to transition now. I haven't been uh, – a JJ today now, there, there is some sparring going on, a lot of sparring actually. So the younger guys are sparring. So I've been using that tactic. I, my hearing's going a little bit, but I haven't been hearing a lot of grunting and, and doe bleats. I really haven't even been hearing much of the uh, fawn bleats, but I wouldn't be afraid to do that now. Subtle stuff, you know, because I know it's happening. I'm just not quite hearing it because, you know, my hearing's going a little bit. Um, last night I did tickle rattle because um, I know it's any day now here is going to be that rattle window. And it may have started last night and maybe today and maybe the next day. JJ talked to him. I said, hey, I, I did a little rattling, you know, because I've been seeing sparring. He goes, he says, I kind of laid into it and did a rattle last night. He says, I brought in a two-and-a-half-year-old come running in. So it's close. It's it's time to, to rattle, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, no, that's all great stuff. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about this next phase, if you will, coming up and, and what we expect to see in some of the strategies going into that. But before we get there, I want to touch on the last week or so or last two weeks here because um, a, a few of people here in the team took advantage of, of some of the things that were going on. And so, Brian, you are tagged out, as Mike said. Yep. Fill us in. What happened, man? <laughs> 
fourth set of the year. Uh, waited for my windows and good day. High barometric pressure, caught the right wind. Bucks were on their feet. I mean, as early as four o'clock, so I'm down at seven. So it, they were they were moving. What? Tell me about what window you were looking for. What What did that window look like? I wanted the high barometric pressure and the right wind, and I waited. I mean, days to get into the certain stand. Uh, the night before, we saw the two target bucks come through on camera on the cell cam. Um, knew that they were moving in that area. Both of them were just as it was getting dark out. And then the next day, barometric pressure spiked. Get out there. Had the perfect wind that day, and everything just kind of lined up. So awesome. So tell me about uh, tell me about the setup, the spot. So the setup is at the uh, basically the point of a big. Uh, Pine draw. Uh, there's a couple benches down below it that they use for bedding. That's every that's everything behind me, and then out in front of me, I have a food plot, a small pond, and it's a black walnut grove that runs along a fence line, and they use that for transition zone. So this buck, I had a few other bucks come out earlier in the night or earlier in the afternoon. Um, Two two and a half year olds, and I don't know if this one was a three and a half year old, but they all came out of the exact same spot out of that pine draw. So my eyes instantly are going to be peeled down that the remainder of my sit. Um, didn't see anything really coming out from the transition zone, so knew that they were bedding back behind me. Um, they come they come up pretty slowly through that pine draw, just because you can see. I mean, the visual aspect, you can see 100 yards through there. So they're itching their, inching their way through pretty slowly when they're out during daylight. And it gives me the advantage of seeing their legs before their body or anything like that, seeing all the way down into that draw. So I can at least get set up on them. Yeah, I had the opposite last night. I had a spot where I didn't know where they were going to come from. It was a first sit in a brand new stand. And we've been seeing them on camera. I'm coming to a scrape, which I couldn't actually see the full scrape, but I could see the corner where they were coming out at. But as I walked from my truck to my stand, there was deer sign and trails and stuff all the way. Another four or five scrapes we didn't know were there. And so I got surprised last night. So learning a stand and understanding mm -hmm. where you put that stand, that's not the first time you've been in that stand, uh, I, mm -hmm. I believe. No, were you I in the have... same one that we... Yeah, I've, on a recent hunt breakdown that we did of one of my hunts, I filmed that boomerang buck. He came out of the same pine draw and did basically read the script as the buck that I shot this year, did the exact same thing, coming through really slow. And then once he gets into that opening of the food plot, either hits the water or else gets into the food. So tell me about this buck. So buck comes out, what happened? Yeah, it was a new buck. Uh, neighbor got... Trail camera pictures of it first about a week prior. We knew it was in the area. It was uh, just a really unique uh, unique mainframe eight-pointer, big palmation all the way down the left side. I mean, from the base all the way to the tip, It's I was probably two inches shy of touching my fingers together on the mass measurements. So, I mean, really thick main beam on the left side. Not the biggest frame, but definitely a mature buck. Super cool, yeah. Uh, amazing character on that deer. So... Obviously, uh, you guys can look for a hunt breakdown on this deer um, coming up uh, uh, next next year. It'll yep. be um, question to you, but let's let's tease a little bit. So, if you were going to break down, you know, the keys to that hunt, mm -hmm. what do you think they are? Waiting for your right window to get in was probably the biggest one because I was able. It was a decently windy day. I think it was twelve to fourteen mile an hour winds. 
the winds were all working in my favor as far as my access and then also with my sit. So I wasn't bumping anything out of the woods. Um, then, I mean, I did a couple rattling sequences right when I sat in. And that is what brought those younger bucks up. And I, I have to assume that the uh, one that I shot heard it and was just kind of taking his time getting through. He probably showed up about 20 minutes later after one of my rattling sequences. But it was just those really soft, barely tickling them together ones. Uh, I mean, this was a week and a half ago, so a little bit before the pre-ruts even starting. But yeah. just catching their attention to get them up on their feet a little bit earlier before they would really like to, you know. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit um, when it comes to calling and rattling and stuff like that. And it, it sounds to me like Brian took the strategy of more of a social, creating a social area. Um, it sounds like he knows that, that stand, that, I think that's a stammer. You and I tracked that one deer. Yeah. We yep. went like 10,000 yards and went, <laughs> walked by it at 45. You know, he was <laughs> under like a big leaf pile. So when he hit, it yeah. built up some leaves and we never saw him. We walked right by him. Yeah, but, we, walked, we walked a long time that day, that's for sure. Anyway, funny story. But, but yeah, so you're, you're trying to create the illusion of, yeah, here's where the deer are. You know they naturally flow through there. And I love the part about the wind because I had a heavy wind last night and it was impossible to hear anything. And the big guys don't like to move in that heavier wind unless you're in an area like he talked about, pine trees. They love wind cuts like pine trees and low spots or whatever and of course wind direction has something to do with that but yeah that's those that's what yeah. i picked up based on your storyline there hey i want to add a couple yeah. things here about brian you know I've, I've known him for a little while here but <laughs> brian does our um a lot of work around here that you don't see he'll go through and i don't even know how much footage he goes through and he <laughs> tags it and he looks through it and he and, and you can talk more on that but I'm looking at a board. If, if I'm staring into the cameras here behind it, there's a four by eight board, um, you know, with uh, all the different schedules from July, August, September, October of all the different things we're going to be doing for video. It shows, uh, you know, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays of content we put out. And this year, um, and I helped them put this up, it's a breakdown. The It's, it's the... Um, breakdowns hunt breakdowns that we're going to have coming up and so you fill in a spot and there's a there's a grid and he's like well are we going to fill in 11 spots on that grid by november 6th or 8th or whatever and we already have eight up there kind of blows my mind we just put this up two days ago three days ago i think and uh and there should be nine yeah, that should be done. We can talk about that because that guy's not here right now. Yeah. Perfect. No, no better time to talk about Mr. JJ when he's not here to defend himself. Yeah, no I kidding. like it. Um, I'm going to let you tell the story, Mike. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so looking up there just to, to break down a little further for you. So future hunt breakdowns, we, we have a schedule up there, kind of a board, and, and it's kind of cool. Each time somebody shoots a buck from you know our team or contributor, um, you know Brian gets to fill that in and, and as another hunt breakdown. And uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. We already have eight up there, and we're just now coming into the the best time of the year. Um, you know, things are going to catch fire here, and I think that uh, Brian, if I had to bet money, I would say that that whole first left column is going to be filled out by November 11th. I hope so. I hope we get through the first column and then some of the second. So we we've got a lot of bucks on the ground already this year, and it's exciting to see because I mean these are all future hunts that the viewers are going to be able to see. 
Yep. And, and some super good stuff, some really good strategy in all of them. And the cool 100%. thing is with, with these hunts coming from different places and different times of year, you know, we can show different strategies and, and, and show different things that, that can, that people can hopefully relate to all throughout the year in all different situations. Right. So pretty cool stuff. So I'm going to throw this over to Mike here. We could have nine hunt breakdowns, future hunt breakdowns up there, but we don't. JJ, the other night, uh, let an arrow fly. And, and, you know, this doesn't happen very often. I don't know that I've ever actually got the text from JJ that says, just missed him. Yeah, it's swinging um, a miss. I, th- I thought he was kidding. Yep. But uh, Mike, what, what happened with JJ? Well, what happened to JJ's was happened to me many times over. Be- no, I shouldn't say many, but it's happened to me before. And um, it, it's, it really, it sucks is what it does. Because it's, this was what we call a bonus deer. And we're holding out. We, our goal is to get a deer down on the property, okay? And when I say the property, I'm talking about our whitetails from scratch property. And we've been very selective, and we haven't hunted it hardly at all. And so this year, it's like, hey, let's get a buck down on here. There's, you know, there's some stuff that we can take down here, um, you know, but there's nothing that's ridiculously monstrous like the kinds of deer that jj shoots all the time you know what i mean there's one that uh, we got our eye on but you know there's others that we're like oh do we leave him do we let him go you know what i mean so um a guy once told me you're never gonna shoot a 200 inch buck unless you have one and you know that kind of hits home for us a little bit more but you know a four-year-old to a eight-year-old deer is pretty much our target line and um i'm after a four-year-old this year because he's got crappy genetics and i don't want him pushing out these really nice one or uh two and three-year-old deer that we have that are coming up because what happens is is we got a gun season coming up here in a couple weeks and if this bully's out there busting these guys around he's four they're three and then there's some four-year-olds that are really nice too that we want to let go if he's up there busting them around they're going to get they, a good chance that they can get shot. And we don't really want that. Plus, I don't want him breeding them does and passing on that genetics. So when, when we talk about, you know, selective harvest and there's strategies behind it and there's reasons behind it, I have no problem taking this deer. He's already outsmarted me three times, that little bugger. So now it's becoming <laughs> a, becoming a thing, you know, but so this bonus buck shows up on a different place where we hunt and he is a monster eight point. Yeah. In JJ's words, the biggest frame deer I've ever seen in in real life. And um, we've been getting pictures of him, and he started to pattern a little bit. And I don't know what the heck is going on with this kid's instincts. (laughs) But he's just like, well, I'm going to go hunt this because we got, because there's only one stand we can really hunt this place, and you got to have an east, a, a specific wind. And we went through a, a week of about that win. So he's out there and I'm thinking to myself, you know, good luck with that because, you know, it's really hard to kill a deer out there. There's all kinds of commotion, the landowners, you know, with the dogs, they raise dogs and it's just, it's a crazy deal. And anyway, make a long story short, that guy showed up and he was, you know, I could tell just in his texts and everything, cause I was sitting in the bat area, the bat uh bat blind and um he's texting me and he's all upset about this and that and blah 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 you know and he's sending picture after picture after picture and it's it's <laughs> a steep what happens is he shot clean over the deer 
and it just, you know, but he was rattled. That deer came in and I'm telling you, he was a little rattled and I've never, you know, he's so calm and everything. I know he's, you know, bursting inside every time when he shoots a deer. It's not like it's not happening, but you can't see it on the outside. Well, you can see it on the outside on this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, so the deer, um, I don't want to, I think it's, this is a video that we need to share from a strategy perspective. perspective. So I don't want to get too deep into it, but bottom line is, he encountered that deer in a specific way, and that deer literally, and you do not see this in a buck of that age, age structure, that deer literally tried to figure out what was going on, where it was coming from, and he walked back into him after he was alerted. And then it was just a very steep shot that he wasn't you know, really quite considering, and because the deer was on alert, and the steep shot, and this has happened to me, and I couldn't figure out what, how, what, how did I miss? You know what I mean? But when you got a steep shot like that, you got to shoot low. I mean, really low. And if that deer's alerted, they're ducking just like that. And that's exactly what happened. And it ended up being a clean miss high. So we'll leave it there. Well, yeah, and, and definitely a video that we're going to produce because it's super cool. The good news is, um, uh, the deer did show back up right there on the reveals that, that night, even. night. Literally that night. Yep. That so, night, he walked right through that same spot. So he did not figure out what was wrong. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. you know, really, really cool stuff there. You know, I will say this. First of all, um, I, I can tell that we're getting to JJ from this production side of things because he told me, he said, you know, he said, I, I was actually filming, you know, there was the sun was perfect and I was filming all these bugs crawling around in the sun. And <laughs> yeah, he, he said, he yeah. said, I'm just sitting there filming thinking, oh man, Adam's going to love this shot. He <laughs> said, I looked up and there's that buck coming, coming right at me. He said, he kind of surprised me. So I thought that was funny, but you know, it's happened to all of us. We've yeah. all been there in a situation like that. And whether it's, we get rattled or, or whatever happens, you know, that that's hunting, you know, as much as we, you know, and Mike jokes and we joke about JJ being bulletproof and not getting the, the, those texts from him. Uh, it happens to everybody. And if you hunt long enough, it's going to happen to you. You're going to miss, you're going to make a bad shot and that's hunting. Um, you know, we, we try to practice as much as possible, but I want to touch on the deer dropping. We've talked about it before in podcasts, but Deer, from my own experience, yeah. are more than likely going to drop. Now you get the cases where you, where they don't, but I would say from a filming standpoint, I, I've been fortunate enough to film a lot of deer get shot, and I would say that I would venture to say eighty five percent of them are going to drop a little bit. You, you know, even if they're not alert, just even a, an inch or two. I mean, an inch to I've seen them drop a foot. Um, you know, so maybe something that you want to think about. I'm not saying aim below the deer, but when I'm aiming at a deer, whether he's alert or not, I can tell you that I'm aiming to, at, at his heart, you know, and I'm, yeah. a, I'm aiming down there because I know one, if the deer doesn't duck, then I'm going to shoot him in, right in his heart. Two, if he does duck, well, then I gave myself, a, you know, an inch or two yeah. or three, even lungs. four, you know, to, to catch those high lungs because, you know, it, it, Mm-hmm. It happens. You yeah. know? I mean, that's, I, I, that's my thing is I, I usually and always aim for the heart. Now, the bad thing with aiming for the heart all the time is sometimes you can catch a shoulder yeah. if you try and tuck it in there, you know, depending yeah. upon which way the deer's angling at you. But what you want to keep in mind is from a ducking perspective, don't overanalyze it. But if you have a deer that's in the open, okay, and that's 
what this scenario was, and I've been in this scenario many times, and he's out there past 20, you start getting into that 30, 35, and even 40-yard shots. If that deer is alert and he's in the open, he is going to hear that sound, understand where it's coming from because it's in the open. There's only one area it could be coming from, and he's probably going to see something. And if you're using a lighted knock, those buggers at 30 to 40 yards, they can duck at a, a huge amount. And that's something to really keep in mind. Now, if you're in thick cover, 20 yards, you can pop them. I mean, I've shot deer close, like 10, 12, you know, short yardage, double lunged them, and they stood there like, what was that? And they just flinched. And then you just watch them, and they just, and they cough, and that's it. They're done. So don't overanalyze it, but definitely think about it, you know. Pre-hunt, when you're sitting in your stand, just think about this. Well, I mean, even that buck that I shot this year, I had that at 18 yards. And when we reviewed the footage, that deer moved three inches from where my aiming point was to where the arrow actually penetrated just with that flinch and towering up. Yeah, it's amazing what you're able to see on video. You know, video is not only cool, but it's really such a valuable tool. That's why, like... Everybody should have a Tacticam POV camera on their bow or, or above their head filming what's going on because the ability for you to go back and look at the shot, because let's face it, it adrenaline going, everything, like your first gut instinct is, is to think that you smoked them. Whether you smoked them or not, like if it's a little back, little forward, little low, little high, like uh, gut instinct is you smoked them. Well, a lot of cases you might not have, and that happens, but the ability to have that, that camera there to go back and look and give you that information on, on what to do next, what the next steps are. I mean, to me, that's a pivotal, pivotal, crucial tool to have with you in the tree. That's a great point because uh, another buck that JJ shot, and this was from the ground. It's the first deer he's ever shot from the ground and curly. Um, beautiful, gorgeous buck, by the way, we got to recycle that one. So, um, <laughs> but curly and he come home, he goes, I shot Curly, I shot Curly. You know, I go, oh, you're, we're no way. You know, he goes, but I don't know. I don't know if I hit him. I just walked away and I just want to look at the footage. So he brings it home and I meet him at home and we put it on the big screen and turns and I see the shot and I watched him duck. And I'm like, that deer's laying 40 yards away dead as a doornail. And, you know, he's like, you think so? He goes, I don't know. He, he went down and he turned. I go, no, Jay, trust me. I've seen this before. And so we went out there the next day just to kind of make him happy because by then it was dark and saw where the arrow went in, saw the blood. He stopped because it was just drops. And I go, no, man, just, just follow this. You know, and as soon as we got around the corner down that fence line, we saw a spray and I swear it was a foot and a half wide. You could visually watch where that deer ran. We didn't even have to track him because now we're talking snow, right? And uh, sure as heck, he was laying there. He went 60, but yeah, he was a big deer, man. And that was, once again, you look at that footage, you know. Such a valuable tool to have out there. Well, I mean, like you were saying, though, the next step, um, what you want to do on tracking, that's such an invaluable tool. The buck that I shot this year, we weren't sure if I hit that front lung. It was quartered to me a little bit. Knew that it was definitely a lethal kill shot. Um, But if we needed to let him lay overnight or he can go right in after him. And we opted to let him lay overnight just because we weren't hundred percent sure on it. So I think our next uh, podcast is, is, is uh, 
tracking and sign and, and shots and stuff. Let's do that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. We should definitely do a full podcast on on shot placement and tracking. And, um, you know, I'm going to get into that a little bit right now. Just just touch on one situation because uh, my season is made. Yes. Um, my, I, I have not shot a deer yet, but my wife uh, went out and shot her first deer. Oh, ever. I see somebody on the list up there. The, and, <laughs> and that one will be a list because unlike the deer I shot last year, I did get this one on camera. Yep. Um, no, but uh, my wife has, has hunted the last few years and her goal is to get to shoot one with her bow. And she doesn't get to hunt that much. She, we have two boys and she's at home with the boys all the time. And, and you know, she tries to get out as much as possible. And, and Andrew had been filming her this year and, you know, it was, uh, it was October 18th and, and it all, everything lined up perfectly. Um, we, we actually had the neighbor watch the boys and I was able to go out and sit in the stand with her, um, and film her. And this is a spot where we had some really good, uh, reveal pictures of, of some good deer and, uh, everything came together. And, uh, don't give away too much. Now this thing's a beast, man. Th this is a big deer. And, and when we found it, he, you know, she said to me, she said, you know, this is a deer of a lifetime for me. And I said, honey, <laughs> yeah. this is a deer of a lifetime for anybody <laughs> for a, that's a, ever a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to give away too much. It's, it's an exciting thing. Um, man, I, You'll have to watch the video. Too bad we didn't have somebody who really knew how to run a camera film that whole thing. <laughs> That's is, sarcasm, by the way. It is unbelievable video. I can tell you um, that a face, face once again, you can't make this up because it, Don't is, give it, away. it is absolute proof in the pudding. This deer comes in and she shoots this bucket eight yards. Downwind. And this deer is downwind. And all I'm going to tell you is when I picked up her arrow off the ground, I did not stand back. I, in the same motion, I picked up an arrow and a wind floater laying yep. right next to each other. Um, so a, a deal where it's, it's uh, too crazy to believe unless you saw it. But um, I want to talk about the, the hit a little bit because I, you know, I don't know um, how much we'll get to talk about the tracking portion um, in, in the hunt breakdown. But that, that deer, she hit that deer back um, and, and it was kind of uh, a gut shot, if you will. Um, little low, little low. Yep. Low and back center of body, but low, um, by the blood up, on the arrow though, above the white liver. Yeah. There was a, there was a streak of Brown on there, but not very much, um, knew that this wasn't going to be a deer that bled. Obviously a deer that, that you want to leave overnight. Um, I'm a big believer in when in doubt back out, um, if you can. And we did, and we went in there 17 hours later and that deer went 70 yards and laid down. And that was the best thing that we could have done was backed out so quietly and actually went a completely different way around to get out of there. So we didn't bump that deer. He laid down. His next bed was 10 feet away. And as I was stepping into his next bed, that deer stood up 50 yards away, still alive. 17 hours later, took a bound down the hill. So it was a big question mark at that point. What do you do? You know, and, and you know, we said, okay, because we had rain coming in the next day too. Yeah. That, see, yeah. that was the scenario because JJ and I, we talked about this quite a bit. And of course you weren't in on those conversations and we're looking at it and we were just feeling horrible, you know, just like, oh man, they got to find that deer. And I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think he had very good chance when I, when I saw the shot and everything. Yeah. And, um, JJ says, no, he said, I've been reading up on this. He says, you let that deer where she hit it lay 24 hours. Now, if she'd have hit it more forward, it would have been worse. Yep. 
but hitting it where she hit it was actually a, a good, better case scenario. Yeah. And he says, you got to let him lay at least 24 hours. And, and I told, you know, Brian, just wait, give him 24 hours. But then that rain started coming in and you're overnight and you're thinking about it. And it's like, you know, well, it's been overnight. And, it, and I'm like, no, they don't, shouldn't go after it, you know. And, but you, yeah. you don't really have a choice. It's an emotional deal. Yeah. It's, a, it's a strategic deal. Now I'm going to lose the blood. And so it's a tough, tough choice. And oh, I don't know if that deer would have been laying dead in 24 hours, but the 20, I'm just saying, yeah. you know, after watching your experience, I'm telling people wait 24 hours. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and that's the thing too is, and I'll tell you what we did when we went in there. I mean, we tiptoed. It wasn't like we went in there hooting and hollering and trying to like tiptoeing step by step, drop by drop. And we had only went 70 yards. Like I said, I was just stepping in that, that second bed. And he stood up and he bound down the hill once and we froze. And just listened. And I didn't hear him run after that. And then the woods are loud at that point. One bound. So made the decision absolutely back out at that point, even though there's more rain coming. So now the decision was, okay, I know this deer's hurt, right? I know he doesn't feel good because 17 hours later, he's in his third bed and he's less than 100 yards from where he got shot. So that's a hurt deer in my mind. Now it's like, okay, what do you do? Do you, with rain coming, do you try to give them four more hours and, and, you know, go in there at, you know, just before dark and try to find them? Or do you leave them a whole nother day? Yeah. That, that see, that's, that's, yeah. that's the scenario. And see, now we're getting into this whole podcast, but you know, I've got shot deer before. I mean, I can remember one specifically where. I hit it, and as soon as I got down, I look at the arrow, and I'm going, oh, no. You know, I, I pulled back. I don't remember the scenario, what happened. It might hit a branch, but I'll say it hit a branch just because I know, <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, so I went down, I, and the arrow, yeah, I knew it. And so I tracked it for a little bit just to kind of get a direction, and I was going to back out. And I could see some pretty good, you know, I was getting some some good drainage there, if you will. So I pulled out and I went back the next morning with Chris. And I should have waited 24 hours because that deer was laying there. But one thing I've noticed about deer that get gut shot, and it's I hate to talk like I'm an expert that I do it all the time, but one thing I have noticed is they get this, it's like a stomach ache, if you will, type feeling. And they just feel, oh, you know, and they don't want to go. They don't want to go. That doesn't mean they can't live for a while, but they just don't want to go anywhere. So for God's sake, do not push them deer. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's just it. Cause they're not leaving yeah. a lot of sign on the ground, especially in their gut shot. You're, they're fill, their guts are filling up the holes. Like there's not a lot of blood there. Like they're not, you know, let's face it. Reality is gut shot deer going to die. They're yeah, going to die. hundred percent you know? fatal. So you just have to give them that time. Don't push them. And you got a better chance of finding them. So what we did is I, I said, okay, and talking to JJ, and I know JJ was talking to you, and I talked to you, Brian. It's like, okay, the rain scares me coming in, but you know what? I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of sign as is, and I'd rather give him the time um, than try to push it with the rain right. coming. So we got a little bit of rain. It wasn't bad. Um, went back in there the next day, and that deer was laying 100 yards from where we last saw him. Yeah, so he, he did what you thought he would do. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He just wasn't going to go. Yep, and, and you know, so that's, that was, it, it was crazy to see that deer alive 17 hours later, but it was, you know, making, strategically making the right moves after the shot, 
you know, I think really helped us and enabled us to find that deer yes. and, and close the chapter on that book. I mean, it, it is a, it's a deer of a lifetime and for anybody. Pr- pretty cool experience. <laughs> yeah. to Well, another thing on that is, you know, and, and us hunters, people think that we're, you know, brutal and stuff, but I mean, it's an emotional thing. When you put a bad hit on a deer, there's nothing worse of a feeling what, no matter what the scenario is, that you know you put a bad hit on that deer. And if you analyze it and you look at that film, you can analyze, oh, he's got a good chance of making it, or she, or whatever. And, or you're like, you know, that deer's going to die. And I really, 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 really want to recover that thing. And so <clears throat> we went through the same emotional, you know, as you did. Because we were on, you know, we were being filled in on what was going on, and we were just crushed. You know, I remember just thinking, like, God, I hope, Brian, God, if they could just find that deer. And in my brain, I'm thinking, there's no way they're finding that deer, especially after they jumped it. And the next day, when we got pictures, I mean, we were just elated. So (laughs) you go through that emotional roller coaster. I know what you and your wife, especially because she's the one who shot it. Mm -hmm. But everybody, I mean, and it is. It's it's an emotional deal. It's it's a it's a tough deal, and it's a, like a fantastic feeling when you know that you finally find that deer. Well, and you guys did the right thing, though, too, by letting it lay back after you bumped it back, right back out as quiet as you can. And you have to do that. And JJ was texting me the entire time. You're like, this was <laughs> behind the scenes that you didn't Te- know about. Team effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, everybody was rooting for you guys yeah. so much. I, I you don't felt, even know. I felt terrible for your wife just knowing. I've, sat, I've been in that seat before, too, and it's... Yeah. You want to make that animal expire as fast as it can. Yep. It doesn't always happen that as way. humanely as possible. Yeah. And yeah. you know, when yep. it doesn't go down that way, it's just a horrible, horrible feeling. Yeah, yeah, and it is. And and like I said, it's it's something that happens. And you know, this one turned out in the in the green column for sure. And, yep. and yep. Um, you know, it was great. Can't wait for everybody to see the video. The the cool thing is, and I don't want to give it away too much either, but like the history with this deer and the encounters. Um, you know, I, I think, and, and I've said it before, you know, there's a lot of work and, and preparation and planning and strategy that goes into this, but I think too, like there's a little bit of luck involved for sure. And there's, uh, some things that are just meant to happen. And this one, man, it was just meant to happen. I had encountered this deer the year previously. Um, and, and that story is crazy. And then for my wife to, to be able to close the, the chapter, close the book, if you right. will, on this buck is, is pretty special. So, you know, look for that hunt breakdown coming up. You know, that, that's a good point because, and I'll make this quick, but, you know, you prepare yourself like now, you know, we look at how much work and effort we put into whitetails from scratch on the land out there. And then you get these target bucks and you have these strategies and you do all this work and everything's more kind of analytical. It's like, you know, it's data and strategy and this and that, and you're seeing pictures and, you know, you're getting fired up and then you go out, but to execute that, not just from a strategic level, but from an actual harvesting level to execute and have everything fall into place like that. It's such an emotional buildup and it's not that it's extremely challenging to execute the actual harvest, especially on a deer of that level. When you have all that buildup, you know what I mean? I don't think people understand that. It's a completely different thing. And all of a sudden, it's like your life, you know, they say flashes before you. And it's kind of a thing like that in a way. 
And so to maintain that composure and to actually succeed, no matter how it went down, the way you guys did, it's it's super, super, super special. Like I say, you just don't experience that in life maybe once or twice. Yep, and that's what it's all about, and that's why we do it, you know, because yeah. it's so exciting, and it's those roller coasters and emotions. And, man, like, yeah, you have some ups and downs, but those ups are, I mean, they're the best feeling in the entire world. I, My wife said to me, but after she shot, you know, she hit him back, and she goes, whoa. You made me so nervous because you were breathing so hard up there. <laughs> it was probably her. <laughs> well, it was her, but I could tell you I was shook. Like, yeah. I was more nervous because I knew she was going to get a shot at that deer than yeah. probably if I was. You know, I would have been nervous, but man, they just. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been able to hear over my own heartbeat. Boof, oh, boof. Honestly, her first deer, her first archery deer, congratulations. Like, that's what a way to start. Yeah, yeah. I remember mine yeah. man, vividly. Yep. That's what it's all about. So, Moving on now, we got the rut coming up. We're right here in the last few days of October. We talked about Mike rattling. Um, you know, we're, we're getting into that window where you have your black racks with you in the stand because, like, we're in that five, seven-day window or approaching it really quick here where rattling deer are really callable. Um, so with November coming, the rut coming, pre-rut, what, what are you expecting to see tonight and in, in the coming days? Well, because I'm in that um, bat blind and it's it's basically a ground blind and it's a, a social area where deer come out every single night, every night they come to this spot. It's a transition social area. I know the big bucks are going to start showing up there. So the last thing I want to do from a strategic perspective is go in there and blow it out, calling and rattling and blah, blah, blah. And I know it sounded like I got some text from somebody that the neighbor was up in one of the, one of those tower blinds doing it. Um but uh, so I'm like, well, that's kind of good, actually. It sucks because the deer are going to be wise to the calling, you know, and I know yeah. they're using my stuff because they watch our stuff. But um, it actually helps, too, because you get them smart too soon and you bump them too soon and it, you just put yourself in a bad position. So I'm going to take the approach in a situation like this where I'm going to play it by it happening to me because I don't want to give away this position because that position is not going to go away forever or well, not ever, but for years. So that I do not want to give that position up and make them deer wise to it as much with the does as the bucks. Right. So how are you calling has a lot to do with how are you hunting? You know what I mean? You can't just go crazy right now. You have to be more and more and more natural. Now I watched this progression happen with um, geese. Okay. A lot of you people don't know, but I, my first calling system ever was in waterfall. I was a, a goose guide in Rochester, Minnesota, and we have the largest population of giant Canada, Canada geese at the time come in. And so I studied them. I studied their behavior, and I was part of that big movement of calling along with Tim Grounds and all the rest of them, you know, where um, you, you, calling wasn't effective when I started, you know, goose hunting and then you know it's people like that um you, you know and there's more of them now even and then i'm going to consider myself in that that we educated people and showed them how to put a goose right in front of you at 15 yards backpedaling and we did it consistently and the birds after years figured it out and that's what's happening with the deer when we first started hunting deer didn't look up in trees because there wasn't a predator that could kill them. Deer are looking up at trees all the time now. 
Same thing with calling. If you are not natural and if you are overdoing it and you're in a position where they can figure you out or pinpoint you, there's so much to this where calling can be a detriment versus helping you. So I'm going to throw that in your brain right now from a calling perspective because the big bucks where we are about to show up within any day and if you go in there and you blow out and give up your spot to the bigger does and to the other deer, you've hosed yourself. It's just as bad as walking into the core territory waiting for that big guy to pattern where you think he's going to go and blowing it up before he gets a chance to do it. Right. Hunting wrong wins. So from a calling perspective, I'm going to tell you right now, this time of the year, you have to be smart about it. I'm not saying overly conservative, but I'm going to be conservative just based on where I'm at. Like JJ's situation in that tree where that deer's in the open, you can't call like that because you get pinpointed. If you're in a ground blind and it's a structure where they can see it easily, you can't call out of there or they're going to see it. But there's some things that you can do from a social perspective, kind of like what Brian did, you know, earlier on, or if you're in a situation where you need to turn a deer around and he doesn't have a visual, you can do things like that. But I wouldn't go crazy. But then again, there's scenarios where I am going to go crazy, <laughs> where I'm in the perfect blind, in the perfect spot, where I know it's thick and I know they're going to want to come in and see what's going on because mentally they're ready to do it. But you better sound like real deer. You can't grab a rattle bag and just... <laughs> you know and be silly about it you got to know your stuff yeah what are you looking for this time of year brian well i'm tagged out so i'm filming <laughs> you guys the rest of the year um i i'm still reviewing my trail cameras uh, all the reveal pictures every night um but the thing that i've noticed over the last week is bucks actually bumping does now um that video i showed you earlier today from yesterday that buck don't want to fawn bumping him around when you start seeing that, you know that time is, I mean, coming, that you can start getting a little more aggressive situationally with your rattling. Uh, now is the time that you're going to start laying down grunts. Um, with what you see, like kind of how you were explaining it earlier, do it situationally. When you see them moving around, you see them making rubs and scrapes, you can get a little more aggressive. When you don't, lay off it. Be aware that, I mean... You don't need to be so aggressive. Yeah, and Brian, you're right about that. Right now, it's time to do the grunts, but be yeah. any any second, any day, yeah. Um, be prepared to get them doe estrus bleats going because it's going to happen here. For sure. Now, I'm talking Minnesota, yeah. Southeast Minnesota. So yeah, and that, uh, I would say Texas. Yeah. No, don't do that. But I mean that that when I shot that buck, those younger bucks that came out that I mean, a half hour before him. Every one of them, straight down the line, there's a community rub scrape line down the side of that food plot, and every one of them, boom, 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 hit every scrape. Yeah, it's, they're uh, I mean, they're, they're, it's that time. Yeah. It's and an exciting time. It's an exciting time. And so I'm going to touch on a few things. Let's touch on the state thing first. So perfect example of that is, yeah, we can talk to what we're experiencing right here in Minnesota right now. That's not the same in every state. I can, I can tell you right now, I am leaving tomorrow for Kansas. And I don't know what my strategy is going to be <laughs> compared to what it is here right now, because I don't know. I'm in South Kansas, South Central, and I don't know 
that the deer are going to be in the same. Now I know it's it's close, and from what I've heard, you know the the deer are similarly you know acting the same way right now. But I don't think that you know they may be a hair behind what yeah, the deer here are doing yeah, right it's now. Isn't it weather? And, well, and especially and with the weather, there's, this yeah. year. there's a lot to do with that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see what the deer are doing, what I see, and then that's going to tell me what to do. Like that's, you said, Mike. That's exactly right, man. Yeah. Exactly right. So, you know, I, I think, you know, here in the Midwest, we're looking at, you know, conditions being really, really good coming up in this next week. Deer, bucks are starting to bump does. We're going to start getting into that that chase phase a little bit, you know, where, where bucks are actively chasing does, bumping does. And, and, you know, my advice to you is to just be out there in the woods. I can yeah. tell you my cameras right now are, and I'm getting real-time info information from my cams. I don't have a lot of shooter bucks on camera right now. I had more a week ago and, and at the beginning of the season. Now, what does that tell me? It doesn't tell me that the deer aren't there. It just tells me that I have to go out there and I have to figure out what they're doing. And, and I think deer, you know, I'm not saying throw your cameras and in, in the intel out the window right now, but like, you're, I don't think you're going to go and pattern a buck right now. Like you can focus on your scrapes and that's a good thing. You know, watch your scrapes, that, that situation. But, you know, Go and hunt and put yourself, my my plan right now is to put myself in one, spots where I've historically seen chasing activity because we've seen it time after time after time after again, especially with big mature bucks. This time of year, they know better. The star quarterback knows where the fo- first doe is going to come in and he knows the area that he wants to lock that doe down when he gets her. So like pay attention to any historical data you have. I'm going in places where I know I've seen chasing activity in the past, where I know there's a hot doe that's going to come in. If I go to Kansas right now and I see a spot where there's a hot doe, I'm going to be real aggressive and I'm going to get in there because it's like a ticking time bomb. And if there's a hot doe, there's going to be bucks there. So I'm going to dive right in, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to kind of see that. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And this is a time of year where I think that you get more aggressive than not. Yep. Yep. And log the hours. You're exactly right. And so I'm chasing a four and a half year old deer. Well, last year he wasn't a competitor. This year he's a competitor. So he's flying all over the freaking property. (laughs) If I would have gone to the stand that I wanted to go to, not yesterday, but the day before, I couldn't because I had that PT appointment for my my leg. And I'm like, you got to get in the stand. Well, Chris has taken over my role and we haven't talked much about this. But from the business perspective, I'm freeing up and he's taking over my role. So he just don't have time to get out. It really, really sucks because we're pressuring him and we got to back off, but he's got so much work to do. But anyway, I'm like, you got to get in that stand. That's where he's going to go. And he showed up exactly. You just shot that deer. If I didn't have that PT appointment, I would have shot him. So what did I do? <laughs> Went in that stand that, you know, cause nobody has sat it before. And he showed up on the other side of the property. Yeah. He's flying all over the place. Now, if it would have been the star we're looking for hitting that spot, there's a good chance he would have stayed in that area. Because like you said, and what a lot of people don't understand is those big stars, the does go to them. And when you say they understand historically, you know, they do this, well, yeah, because they go to this place where the big older does who come in first, they're going to come to him. They know he's in the area. That's why you don't see him running around all over the place. They don't have to. He's going to get his action, going to get, going to get it done where he has always got it done yep. without being bothered. Yep, and so when they show up, and that's why you don't want to go in there and get too aggressive right now. Even though you want to, you got to log to stand time. Do it smart. Do it strategically. Yep. Don't blow up your property right. if you can help it. Yep. 
So a perfect example, a hunt breakdown that's coming here really quick within the next two weeks um, is a deer that I was fortunate enough to shoot last year. It was the biggest buck that I've ever shot here in Minnesota. And we didn't have trail camera pictures of that deer all year, year round. It was a small section of property that this deer the last three years has showed up there for one week and really one week only. And it was when he got a doe and we had seen him in there when he has a doe and then he's gone. And I took advantage of that last year and said, okay, I'm, you know, I knew the deer was still alive because we had got one picture of him. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bank on him doing that again when he gets a doe. So November 2nd, last year, I snuck in there and sure enough, here he comes. He's got a doe and game over, closed the deal. Yep. And I, and I'm going to push this home, you guys. I mean, it's just the way I teach and coach, but if you, in Brian's, in your case, okay, if you're like, oh, I've seen that deer in there. I know he's in there. So you're in there and you're trying to get him because you know he's going to come back. That deer doesn't show up there because you blew him out before he had a chance to get there. Sure. People, I'm telling you, don't blow up your stands. There is areas of the property and whitetails from scratch that we do not set foot in 12 months out of the year ever unless we absolutely have to. And if we do, it's definitely in the off season. And there's places you have to do this strategically. You just got to be really, really smart about this. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but these scenarios don't develop. If you're in there and over hunting and being overactive and blown, I'm just going to say, blow it up. Don't blow up your spots before you get your opportunity. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that. <laughs> look, I, I, I wouldn't say like during the rut, I don't think there's a bad spot that you can be, you know, like don't, don't go in and force a sit just to force a sit. Like deer are moving. It's just like you talked about, you know, deer being, uh, the seven up being on the other side of the farm. I had a deer that I was chasing in Wisconsin here a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and he's a, he's an old mature deer, not a great scorn deer, but he's mature. He's at least six, could be seven. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of history with them and you know, I, it was a deer that I really wanted to kill and he got shot over two miles away two days ago, you know, and, and they had said before, this is a deer that kind of goes crazy during like this time of year. Like he's all over the place. And this deer, I don't know if, if, um, you know, my guess is he had bred does there in the past. So he was going there to find that first hot doe from experience, but two miles away, that deer's gone and, and he got shot. Yeah. And, and you, and when I talk about this, I don't want you to get in your mind that I'm telling you that don't blow out that big buck in that spot. No, don't blow the deer out of that spot because right. yeah. if the does and the activity aren't there because you blew it up and they quit showing up there, well, why would he show up? You know, he's using his nose looking for the hot doe. Yeah. This time of year, I always try to stay away from bedding areas, especially. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you know, you, if you have good, to get aggressive, you, like Brian said, when in they're there. chasing yeah. and they're if stupid, you if you can get in there, but don't go in there early mm -hmm. and blow them out of there. And that's, that's what we're getting at here. I think mm -hmm. pick, pick your, pick your spots wisely still. Yeah. Be aggressive, but do put some strategy behind it. If you're sitting there and you have those stands in place that are maybe between bedding areas, like right now is a great time to be slipping in there. Don't be afraid to sit all day. I know that that's hard, but if you're going into one of those, those, uh, spots that are tougher to get into, don't go in and then come out midday and then go back in the less intrusion that you can put in there, put in there. So like slip in there in the morning and sit there and, and, you know, plant there because bucks, a lot of times that's one of my favorite things to do this time of year is sit, find all a spot day. in between a bedding area and sit there all day because those big bucks are going to cruise and they're going to check those bedding cells 
for hot does, you know, and, and it's, you know, be aggressive, but, but do it with strategy and try to, try to be scent free and Yeah. And, and I tell you, scent <clears throat> free, cautious. And yesterday I went out in the stand for the first time, you know, I felt like a really uh, an odd duck, you know, cause I haven't been out in so long. <laughs> So I'm going through and I'm walking to the stand. I have to walk and we're right by the, the kind of by a road. And so I'm walking this little strip of trees with corn butted up to it. And there's a, there's, we've got a trail lane there and I got to come to a corner and then I got to, you know, go to a, a different direction at that corner and then get up into my stand. So as I'm walking down this, I'm looking, I'm seeing deer sign all over and scat and everything. I'm like, and then four rubs on the way of the tree. As I get to the corner where I got to take a right, I look up where the scrape is where we got a camera and there's a doe standing i mean five yards from me i walked up on that deer wow it freaked me out i'm like oh and i just locked up and i'm standing in the middle of the thing and i go down on a knee just to kind of get a you know feel what's going on it looked up and saw me you know standing there and took off but you know it's it's just bumping the deer that you're gonna bump some deer but in that scenario it wasn't a big deal because it's right next to the road i knew it wasn't a core bedding area you know, that kind of thing. You got standing corn, deer can be anywhere. Um, and then on the way out of the stand, after everything cleared, um, there was something, and it's probably the same, I think it might've been a young doe or a fawn um, that was sitting right alongside the road there, or it was starting to cross over to the corn and I bumped that one too. But that doesn't bother me. I'm not worried about it. Not worried about that at all. You're gonna, you're gonna bump some deer. You look good with like all shaped up. <laughs> yeah, first time I've done it in like yeah, I look years. like an old scrapper. <laughs> yeah, Come first time I've first time I've shaved my face in about ten years though. That may might be a lucky thing. If, yeah. if you go <laughs> Mike shoot one tonight, you can never have a beard again. I already told him since he, since he's gimping that if he shoots one that uh, I'll do the gutting and dragging for him. Hey, I thought about that last <laughs> night. I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know what? If I shoot one, I can give Brian a call. He'll come out and gut and drag it for me. <laughs> well, well, I'll expect a, a call to come take photos and, and film recoveries about. Yeah. It'd, it'd be nice if you could do it a little before dark, but I, yeah. I'll, I'll come out there when it's dark and we'll, we'll get it handled. I'll expect yeah. a call. Well, yeah. if we, if we pop seven up, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but uh, if one of the big boys come in and we nail one of them, that'll be just pretty these, cool. Cr- just these current weather patterns in Minnesota right now, though, this is it's going to pop off this week. This yeah. is the week that it's going to. It's going to be game on. So guys yeah. get out there, get in the woods. Uh, good luck hunting. Uh, you know, make sure you check out hunt breakdowns, new one every single week. We got a special one on right now. It's, it's Beamer just got released. That's JJ's eight and a half. Year old oh buck man, from that is Wisconsin dumb. last year. And there's so much that goes into that story. You know, the cool thing there is small piece of property and JJ has really, I mean, narrowed down everything about this piece and about this deer. And it has a history with this legendary buck. Um, that he was finally able to close the deal on. So that that hunt is out right now. Check it out on YouTube or the Deer Society app. Um, I don't you, I don't think we've done a story like that since um, Mr. Colton, Maybe. Uh, Mr. Maybe. I mean, it, this is a long years and years story, and it's it's phenomenal. The amount of people watching it and the comments are crazy. You got to see it and you got to share it. Yeah, that's yeah. that was a six year chase on that book. Yeah. Yep. Eight and a half year old legend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, a, what a cool story. So definitely check that out. If you haven't yet, download the Deer Society app. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. So much new cool content coming out every week. Um, guys, good luck. Mike, good luck. Brian, I would tell you good luck, but yeah. you're just you're behind <laughs> the camera. You're now, your so luck. 
we'll uh we're gonna keep you updated we're gonna keep rocking these podcasts um another one coming in the next week or two and we're gonna touch base on hopefully some success hopefully that board is full behind the cameras back there and uh, we'll have more to talk about so thanks for tuning in thanks for listening and good luck